0: Good morning. Welcome, welcome church. Welcome to Mission View. So glad to see you all this morning. If this is your first time here, my name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor at Mission View Church and so glad you've joined us. Maybe you're joining us online for the first time. We're so glad you're joining us. We've been in a sermon series called Mass Gatherings. Um, Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Really excited about today's sermon, but before we jump into that, I wanted to give kind of an update on Project Base Camp. Um, if you're new to Mission View, uh, you've probably never heard of Project Base Camp, but uh, last year we purchased a building down on West Maple Street on Wise at the corner of Wise Road and West Maple, and um, we were really excited to have a church home finally. And we began this Project Base Camp to raise the funds to renovate the facility we purchased. It's about 27,000 square feet. It's two stories. It was an old racquetball court building. So it's a a really great location and a really great building to have a church in. And um, before the pandemic hit, we started Project Base Camp and we were raising funds for the renovation. And then the pandemic hit. So we kind of hit the pause button on project Basecamp to see you know how things would go with this pandemic. We wanted to wait a little bit and use wisdom as we were moving forward with project basecamp so uh, we uh, put that on pause for a little bit, and we started it up again just um, a short while ago, and we were g- beginning; we are beginning to give and started giving towards Project Basecamp January 1st this year. So we're really excited about that, and it's been going on. Now, there's been a few questions about, you know, the pausing and the restarting of it, which caused a lot of confusion because there's a lot of stuff going on there, right? Um, I just wanted to let you know that if you made those commitments and those pledges, Early on, you know, in that first pledge run, those are still good. Yeah, you, you don't have to repledge. You can repledge, but you don't have to repledge. Those are still good. And I wanted to let you know too, if uh, you want to participate in Project Basecamp, there's you can join in and you can participate along with us in Project Basecamp as well. So you're welcome to do that. And there's a really simple way to do it. You can get onto our website at missionviewchurch.org and go to Basecamp. It's right on the front page, and there's a a little form that you can download right off the website to join in the giving towards Project Basecamp. So, Here's the update, too, on um, the new building. Uh, We are working hard. First of all, I I just want to thank Todd LePage. I'm just going to throw him out there right now. Um, He is the head of the building team. I get about seven emails a day from Todd as he's working with the architect. He's working with um, all the banks and the financing we're working through, and he's working with the construction company. So, I mean, the guy is working so much and doing so much for us as a church. Todd is one of our elders, and he's watching online right now. Thank you so much, Todd, for what you're doing, spending so much time. He emailed me this past week. He said, man, this is a full-time job. He's partially retired from his job, so um, he's now doing his real job for the kingdom. That's why I keep telling him, you know, it's... It's for the kingdom, So, um, but I wanted to thank him as he's doing all the work that he's doing for us. But uh, we're working with um, the big thing right now, if you want something to be praying about specifically for Project Base Camp, is the financing piece. Be praying that God works a miracle in this. Now, this is exciting to share about, because um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now, here's what I want you to know, is that we serve and we are in relationship with a supernatural God who is active in our lives today. God is still working miracles in our midst today. One of the greatest miracles that we witness all the time, this amazing, probably the greatest miracle since Christ's resurrection, is a life, a, a, a dead person being brought to life in the person of Jesus Christ. That we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And God, by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, comes down and breathes life into dead, dry bones. You and I, before we met Christ, were dead in our trespasses and sin. But God, in His grace and mercy, reached down and by the power of His Spirit brought us to life. This greatest miracle we could ever witness today. And we get to see that all the time. So I want you to know that I I believe that we serve a miracle-working God, and we are in relationship with a miracle-working God. That being said, this building project is going to take a miracle from God. It's going to take a miracle from God. Now, you've heard me say a bunch of times, and I kind of regret saying it now, but I, I I say things like this. When all is said and done here at Mission View Church, And we look back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and we look back, here's what I want us to say. Only God could have done that. I don't want to uh, talk about vision. I don't want to to talk about where we're going as a church and, and what our plans are as a church and think about ways that we can just do it in and of our own strength, in and of our own resources. I want us to have a God-sized vision. That's why we talk about reaching 200,000 people with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and the love that God has for the lost. Because that's crazy. 200,000 people? That's a lot of people. And you know what? God's a big God. And God loves people. And God's calling us to reach the lost. So I've said that in the past. You know, it's like when we look back at things, we want to say only God could have done that. And let me tell you, (laughs) this building project is that. We're going to look back at this when all is said and done, and we're going to say, only God could have done that. This is going to take a miracle. And we're going to talk about some miracles today. So let's look in 1 Corinthians here as we talk about spiritual gifts, how they're to be used in the church. And um, I'm going to give us a little bit of a refresher so we have kind of um, of a, a ground to work from. We know the context in which... Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts and different things. So, Now, uh, 1 Corinthians, we know that one of the, the main themes throughout the, the book of 1 Corinthians is unity for the church. Uh, we, you know, I've said it every week, the church in Corinth was a hot mess, man. It was a dumpster fire. There was so many wrong things going on. There was sexual sin, there was pagan practices that had infiltrated, there were false teachers there teaching all kinds of craziness, and Paul is writing this letter to to kind of bring some correction, to bring some guidance to a really messed up church. You know, you hear people like, you hear people say, oh man, I just wish the church today would be like the church in the Bible, and the Bible. Not this church. <laughs> we do not want to be like this church. It was a mess. So. But anyway, so he's, he's kind of given some correction. He's kind of given them some guidelines and kind of writing, t- trying to write the ship in Corinth. So as we look at this, we need to keep that in mind. It's going to help us really understand what Paul is getting at. Now, as we talk about spiritual gifts, there are so many different views on spiritual gifts today. And I just wanted to start out today by reading from our beliefs of what Mission View Church believes. And you can find this on our website and everything, but, but I want to kind of get us all on the same page. And this is what we believe as Mission View Church in regards to the spiritual gifts. We believe the Holy Spirit, in all that He does, exalts and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He draws the world to repentance and faith and at salvation imparts new spiritual life to the believer, bringing that person into union with Christ and the body of Christ, that is the church. In order to bring about Christ-likeness, the Holy Spirit sanctifies, seals, fills, guides, instructs, comforts, convicts, equips, empowers, permanently indwells at salvation and gives spiritual gifts to the believer for service that's what we believe about the holy spirit now here in first corinthians paul's going to be answering some questions addressing some problems that the church had um, and they were misusing these spiritual gifts now as we start this study on spiritual gifts it's going to be over the next few weeks here as we start this study uh, I want to make, you know, kind of bring to light that chapters 12, 13, and 14 are kind of Paul's guiding on the spiritual gifts. It's not just this one passage, but it's, it's three chapters here that Paul really dives into the spiritual gifts. And so these are the three things that we're going to pull from these three chapters. The first one here in chapter 12, which we'll talk about this week and next week. Um, There's three tests that Paul gives us on spiritual gifts. The first one we find in chapter 12 is this, does it unify the church in Christ? So if we look at the spiritual gifts and how they're being used, how do we know if they're a right spiritual gift, if it's from the Holy Spirit, or if it's a gift from another spirit, which would be really horrible and bad? What are some of the tests? The first test we find in chapter 12, does it unify the church in Christ? In chapter 13, the famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians, you probably heard it at every wedding you've attended. It's actually about spiritual gifts, not about weddings. But chapter 12, is it done in love? Is the spiritual gift used in love? And then chapter 14, does it edify the church? Does it edify the church? Those are our three tests. The first one was... Does it unify? The second one, is it done in love? The third one, does it edify? All right, kind of a foundation to work from as we jump into our text today. Let's pray before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Right now, we surrender our hearts to your truth. We surrender our minds to your word. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this text, that it would take root deep in our hearts, that it would change our lives. That we would walk out of here different than we walked in. Because we have met with our creator. And that your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword and separates bone from marrow has, has really changed us, Father. We believe in that today. We believe in your power and your word. Come and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You might want to underline that, circle that. That's a huge, really powerful statement about the gifts. who apportions to each one individually as He wills. As He wills. God's Word for us today. Now, the first thing I kind of want us to look at in this text, and it's the first fill-in in in your notes, is this. Understanding the gifts comes from an accurate understanding of Scripture. Understanding the gifts comes from an accurate understanding of Scripture. I'm taking that from those first um, three verses there. And let me revisit them just really quick, just so we know where we're going here. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, now, they had been pagans, so the people he's talking to here in Corinth had practiced those pagan worship rituals that we have talked about, and they've infiltrated the church, obviously. You know when you are pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul right here is addressing false teachers and warning those in Corinth not to be led astray. This the statement that Paul makes, Jesus is accursed, was actually a statement that was being made by those who denied the humanity of Jesus Christ. Now, today we call that docetism. which is a big theological word for denying the humanity of Christ, and that's really important. We believe that Jesus was truly God and truly man, truly God and truly man. So they they were bringing in. It's kind of funny too, if you think about it, that one of the first heresies in the church was believing that uh, Jesus wasn't truly man. You think it'd be harder to believe that he was truly divine, don't you think? No, but the, but anyway, sorry, side note, little rabbit trail there. But so they were they were teaching this wrong teaching. Um, about Jesus that he wasn't truly man he was divine but not truly man so he's addressing this this misunderstanding and their lack of understanding about Christ led to an abusive use or misunderstanding of the spiritual gifts understanding spiritual gifts begins with growing our understanding of God's word Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul warns the church that they shouldn't listen to these false teachers and they should remember and adhere to the teachings that Paul had brought to them. Here again, Paul points out the error in these false teachers' teaching. We have to have a grid. We have to have a rubric for the use of spiritual gifts in the church, the use and how we use our gifts. That rubric, that grid is scriptures. It is the Bible. The more we learn and grow in our relationship with Christ, the more we learn about who God is and, and what he's done and what he's doing in our lives, the more we're going to understand how to use and what our spiritual gifts are. Growing in our understanding. As when we think about understanding God, first of all, our, our minds should just melt right in that moment, Right? As, as I've studied and gone to seminary and worked my way through the Bible and, and different teachers over the centuries and how they've, you know, different hermeneutics and interpreting Scripture and all these things, it, it, is, it, is the, it feels like the more I know about God, the less I know. Because you turn one corner and you, you see this amazing picture and belief and truth about God, and it reveals this other corner that you need to turn that is so much bigger and so much greater, the more we know, there's what i'm saying is there is no end to understanding and growing in our knowledge of god we we can we need to tear this thing open and and study it and look into it and memorize it and meditate on it, it is there's not a boring page in here because it is revealing to us and opening our eyes to an amazing amazing powerful god who is active in our lives right now Now, it's important to know that in Corinth there was no real shortage of these spiritual gifts that that Paul talks about because earlier on you may remember it in chapter 1 verse 7 he said you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't lacking in any gift but they were being influenced by the philosophers and mysticism that was prevalent in Corinth and they were also bringing baggage from The pagan worship they practiced before they came to Christ. This muddied the waters and made a mess of the church gathering. So their gatherings were a mess. I think it was last week we were talking about it when Paul said, you know, it's better you guys just don't even meet. Your meetings are doing more bad than good. I, I think that was last week when we talked about that. It muddied the waters, made a mess of the church. They were confused, distracted, and being misled. Now here's the point. Bad theology leads to bad methodology. Bad theology leads to bad methodology. What I mean is that Corinth had forgotten to keep the main thing the main thing. Their main concern wasn't the gospel. The main thing is the gospel. What was Jesus' some of his last words towards the, the great commission? To go out into all the earth, right? To share the good news that the Messiah had come, that Jesus had come. That he had made a way for, for anyone who would believe in him to be saved. That they would have an eternity in heaven with God. That's the main thing. That's what we're called to do. That's our job. And then the great commandment to, to love the Lord your God. And love your neighbor as yourself. That, that, that's our purpose in life. Love God. Love others. That's our purpose statement here at Mission View Church. And then our mission statement. Go make disciples. Make disciples all over the world. They forgot the main thing. They forgot the main thing. The gifts were given and are given so that the church can fulfill the great commandment and the great commission together. That we do that together. The gifts were never meant to be a distraction from the mission. They were meant to empower the mission. Anytime spiritual gifts distract us from the mission of the church, it is an abuse of the spiritual gifts. Let me say that again. I think it's a really important statement. Anytime the spiritual gifts distract us from the mission of the church, it is an abuse of the spiritual gift. Keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death that you and I deserved. He lived that perfect life that you and I can't live. He died on the cross And three days later rose again, defeating sin and death for you and me. He ascended into heaven and even now sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you and me, preparing a place for you and me. And he's coming again one day to bring us back, bring us into paradise. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. The hope that we have. Is the hope that we have to share with the world. Everything God has given us, including the spiritual gifts, are given for the proclamation of this this good news, this great hope. The spiritual gifts God has given will empower those things, encourage those things, not distract or derail them. Now, that is what Paul's saying. He's saying, hold to the foundational teaching and basic doctrine and let the spiritual gifts you have been given empower your mission. That's what he's getting at. It would have been easy to kind of miss that in that first part of this text because he's making a statement. Jesus is accursed is kind of a confusing statement. But it was a common statement back then, and he's really talking about theology. He's talking about doctrine, what we believe. You know, and how we adhere to these main things. Let's move on. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and in ev- in everyone. I want to stop there for just a second because Paul's doing something really cool here. I don't want us to miss it. He started in verse 1 and it takes it all the way through verse 6. And Paul has... Pointed out the Trinity. In verses 1 through 3, he mentions God, Jesus, and the Spirit. Now, in verses 4 through 6, he mentions Spirit, God, and Jesus. He just reverses it. It's really cool. I think this is important for us to recognize because the Spirit does not work apart or without the Father and the Son. They are three in one in perfect harmony and unity. Therefore, the Spirit would never lead anyone against the scriptures or teachings of Jesus. They are together. In and through the gifts that God has given us. In verse 7, he goes on, "...to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit." to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. Now, The first thing I want to point out in this part is that this is not an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. It's not. Uh, We have other lists and other epistles that are different than this list. So one of the things that that kind of points out to us is that this text, this scripture, and this part of the letter that Paul writes isn't foundationally about the spiritual gifts. It's about how the gifts were being used, how the gifts were being abused. So it's not so much about the gifts themselves, but how we use them. It leads us to the second fill -in in your notes. It's this, the gifts are given for the common good of the church. The gifts are given for the common good of the church. Look at what Paul's doing here in this list of gifts. It's really cool, and I think he does this on purpose. Think about this. as I'm going to go through the list. Knowledge without wisdom, which was the next one, is really dangerous. Knowledge without wisdom is really dangerous. Healing is really difficult without faith. Miracles and prophecy without someone to discern whether or not they are from the Holy Spirit would be really dangerous. Tongues without interpretation are distracting and create confusion. Do you see how he's paired these things together? How the gifts come together and serve each other as we use them together. We need each other. That's really what this entire book in 1 Corinthians has been about unity in the church, coming together. The gifts are another way we see unity in the church lived out. We have to remember the mission Jesus gave us in the Great Commission, that we would go out into all the earth and share the good news of Jesus. We, the church, have this one job. Make disciples. The gifts are given to us to help us achieve this goal, to encourage, exhort, and edify one another so that we can share the gospel for the extension of God's kingdom. They were not given to elevate man, or put on some carnival sideshow. They were given to us for each other, for the common good. One of the struggles that we see with spiritual gifts is that we, here, I'm going to start from the beginning, we were created to be in relationship with God. Now, it's a simple statement. You've heard me say it a bunch of times. You've probably heard other pastors say it. We were created to be in relationship with God. Let's just think about that for a second, though. You were created to be in relationship with a divine being. You're created to be in relationship with one who created the universe, who spoke it into existence, who put on flesh, became a man, rose from the grave. We were created to be in relationship with the divine. Think about that. We were created to worship God. We were created with an attraction to supernatural because we were created for a supernatural being. And we, we can get really, really sidetracked with that. If we're created for that, we're created to be in this relationship with God, it would be really easy for us to look at this text in 1 Corinthians and get totally sidetracked about these supernatural gifts and make it all about these gifts that are listed. Wait, wait, miracles and and all these other things. Wait wait, wait, wait a second, you know. And that's not even the point of the text. (laughs) The point of the text is the misuse of these gifts and the mess that it was making. Now, so what I'm saying is, is that we have this leaning towards. We were created for relationship with this divine, supernatural being. And it's, it's normal for us to, to, to go there and, and think about those things. So when we see or think about the supernatural things, we can begin to elevate those things. We can become obsessed with the supernatural. Even outside the church just happens. I mean, it, it happens uh, you think about it. We have we even have a TV show called Supernatural, right? I mean, there's there's all kinds of TV shows and movies, and I mean, I don't know how many Exorcist movies there are now, or the possession of so and so, or whatever it may be. You know, our the entire world, not just the church, is obsessed with these ideas. This there's this God-given curiosity that can lead us to unhealthy obsession with supernatural manifestation. We even see this in the people in Jesus' time. We see it in Jesus' ministry. Check it out. And let's just turn there real quick in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. really interesting thing happens here. I'll give you just a minute to turn there on your iPad or iPhone. I do hear some papers turning. That's good. In John chapter 6, I'll start in verse 25. It says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, which means recognized who I am. It's not because you're not coming here because you recognized who I am. But because you ate your fill of the loaves." They're not coming there because they recognized who Jesus was. They were coming there because they had experienced a miracle. That's what Jesus is getting at. You're not coming here for me. You're coming here for some supernatural experience or miracle. It can become more about the gift than the gift giver. This is a huge problem we see. It can become more about the gift than the gift giver. Now, here's the cool thing. We all have spiritual gifts. When you were saved, when Jesus came into your life, God gave you gifts to use for his kingdom. That's awesome. But what is more awesome is the one who gave them to you. It is awesome that you have spiritual gifts, but it's more awesome that you are in relationship with the one who has given you those gifts. We cannot become more interested in the gifts than the gift giver. Don't look more for a manifestation than we look for the God-man himself. Another problem we see here in 1 Corinthians, and we see it all over today in the church, was the elevation not just of the gifts, but the ones using their gifts. Remember, we talked about it last week the cliques and divisions in the church, the haves and the have nots. We see this divisiveness creeping into the church gathering in the use of spiritual gifts. I'm sure this played a huge part in the divisiveness that Paul talked about when they were saying, Some of you are for Apollos, and some of you are for Paul, and some of you are for so and so. You follow this spiritual leader. Pride played a huge part in that. The gifts are meant to point us to Christ, not to man. We all have spiritual gifts that are for others, not ourselves. It should be humbling, not pride building. Now, the great news is that you have spiritual gifts. God has gifted you. But they're not for you. They're for the person sitting beside you. They're for the person sitting in front of you or the person sitting behind you. That's who the spiritual gifts are for. The good news is we have them. The bad news, and it's not really all bad, is that they're for the church. You have a God job. Let me just say this you are not here on accident. And the spiritual gifts that God has given you, He gave you on purpose for a purpose. You are meant to use the gifts that God's given you for His kingdom and in the church. God has brought you to Mission View Church for such a time as this. And Mission View Church cannot do what God has called it to do without you. Because God has gifted you and brought you here for a reason, for this season, right and now. Right here and right now. If you are not using your gifts for the church, for God's kingdom, we're all missing out. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul's saying. If your gifts are given for the common good and you're not using them, we're all missing out. Not just you. You're missing out on the opportunity to use a spiritual gift that God's given you. That, that he, The Bible says that even before time began, that God set aside good things for you to do. Those good things are to use your spiritual gifts for his kingdom. There's nothing better. There is nothing better in this world than using your gifts for the kingdom of God. Nothing. What God does in and through us, the connection you have with him as we serve others in the church and you know, work for the kingdom work that God has for, there's nothing better. And there's, you know, and beyond that, it's eternal rewards. <laughs> when we use our spiritual gifts and we're building the kingdom of God, there are eternal rewards that we're looking at. You know, we can build bank accounts. We can build our job description. We can build our resumes and we can build our savings. We can build our retirement and all it's going to burn. But when we build the kingdom of God, it's forever. It is forever. At Mission View Church, we believe everyone has a mission every single one of you sitting in these seats, every single one of you sitting in your PJs, laying in bed at home, eating oatmeal, you have spiritual gifts to be used for the kingdom of God. So come back to church and use those spiritual gifts. I'm just going to put that out there. If the creator of the universe, if the creator of the universe has gifted you, here's the the hard part you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. You will be held accountable for what God has given you. So my challenge for you today is to seek out and use the gifts that God has given you for His kingdom. Now, I believe that God redeems and uses some of our gifts that we have acquired just over our lifetimes, And uses those for his kingdom. So you may be a teacher. You may have went to school to be a business manager. You may be a nurse or a doctor. God has gifted you for a purpose for his kingdom. And I believe there are some spiritual gifts God gives us in the moment. And there's those spiritual gifts he gives us at salvation. And you are meant to use those gifts for his kingdom. And it's your responsibility I would do a huge disservice if I just said, hey, you can sit on the sidelines. Yeah, there's bench riders on the team of Jesus, and that's a lie. There is no one that gets to sit on the side. You are gifted for God's purposes, and that is awesome. He's inviting you to be a part of the greatest story of all time, the greatest redemption story of all time. He's inviting you in. Use your gifts for his kingdom. Use your gifts for his kingdom. Now, the last point I want to take in this text is that we find in verse 11. It's just a short verse, but I want to bring it out. Verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. You might want to underline that and circle that star. However you do it, highlight it. As He wills. third fill-in in your notes is this. God determines our spiritual gifts By His will. We don't choose our gifts. We don't choose our gifts. We can seek them, pray for them, ask for them, and that's great, we should. But God determines those gifts by His will for His glory and for our good. Now, this text, like I said already, this text mentions spiritual gifts, but it's more about how we serve one another. Are you seeing that common theme? It's not just here in chapter 12, but it's been in chapter 11, 10, 9, the whole thing, the whole book of 1 Corinthians. He is saying, hey, you are divided. You are separated. There are fights and quarrels. This is a mess. Here, you need to be unified. Here's how you unify. You serve one another. You humble yourself. You think of others first, and you serve one another. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's getting at. And he's mentioning spiritual gifts in that same context that we are to use these to serve one another. Here's what we can take from this scripture today three things, three huge takeaways for us today. One, we all have spiritual gifts. Every single one of us, you have spiritual gifts. Two, Our spiritual gifts are for the common good of the church, for the common good. And three, we have a responsibility to use our gifts for Jesus. You have a responsibility to use your gifts for Jesus. Now, these three statements bring up a really, really big question, right? And I've gotten this question already. What are my spiritual gifts? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever read through this text and been like, oh, well, You know, maybe you've read the ones in Romans or in Ephesians, and you're like, which which, which one do I have? You know, what are my spiritual gifts? Here's my response. You will find out what your spiritual gifts are when you serve the church. If God gives us spiritual gifts to serve the church, then the only way we're going to find our spiritual gifts is if we serve the church. We need to serve in the church to serve one another to have this Christ-like selfless mentality. And God will reveal to us our spiritual gifts. This is This is this has been a really interesting study for me especially in the midst of a pandemic. And it's brought up some some deep concerns I have during this time. I don't know about you, but as I've worked through these texts and as preached these sermons and shared them with you, it's really hard for us to do the things that God's called us to do here if we never gather together. Anybody see a problem there? It's it's going to be really hard for us to serve each other if we never see each other. I mean, it's going to be really hard for us to use our spiritual gifts if we never, never gather together. Wouldn't it? I'm not saying it's impossible. But I'm saying we need to think about it. Now, I said at the beginning of this pandemic, and I'll say it again today. As your pastor, I am really concerned about your physical health. I really am. You know, that's why we're doing this masking thing where, you know, people are getting vaccinated. and We're really trying to do the best that we can to care for your, your physical health. But here, I'm just going to be honest with you. I am more concerned right now about your spiritual health. And here's something that, I, that I've always known but has become really prevalent. That your physical health and your spiritual health aren't two separate things they are tied together. They are tied together. And what we get when we gather together as a church, the opportunities that we have to live out this book together, I mean, think about it. I mean, this New Testament was basically written for us to give us directions on how not just to live our lives every day, Monday through Saturday, but what we do as we gather as a church together. This whole book in First Corinthians is, hey, here's what you do when you gather together. Every chapter, every word, every line, every sentence, every, everything is here's what you do as you gather together. This is what you need to do as you care for one another. Here's how you use your spiritual gifts. Here's how you work through sin issues. Here's how you... Guys... I am concerned, for you at home, I'm just saying to you, I am concerned about your physical health. But I know your spiritual health is tied to your physical health. And if you're sitting at home, and it's fear that is keeping you from gathering as a church, I'm telling you, pray about it. Because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit that has overcome all fears. And you know what? I know this. We serve a sovereign God, and every day of our lives, God is numbered you're not going to go to heaven one millisecond before God determines it. God is calling us to gather together, not out of fear, not out of these other things. But let me say this. God has called us to use wisdom too. And I know there are those of you sitting at home that are very high risk. I'm not saying come to church. Don't hear me say that. I am challenging those of you who've You know, maybe you've been vaccinated. Maybe you've already had the, you know, COVID or whatever it may be. And there's really no reason for you not to be here at church. You need to come to church. I'm just saying that as your pastor. Because we cannot do the things God's called us to do that we've studied about for so long unless we're face to face. Unless we gather together. I just feel silly sometimes as I'm preaching through 1 Corinthians trying to teach us how to be a church. And we're just not gathering together. It just sounds kind of silly sometimes. So I had to say that. So anyways, that's God's word for us today. You have been gifted. God has given you spiritual gifts. You have a responsibility to use those gifts for God's kingdom, for his glory, and for all of our good. That's what God's called us to. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that you have gifted us That as you've come into our hearts and you've come into our lives, that that you have given us spiritual gifts that that we're to use for our growth and, and for your kingdom, but even more so for our brothers and sisters here sitting beside us and our brothers and sisters that are joining us online. God, we pray for opportunities. I pray right now for opportunities for everyone hearing this, that they would have opportunities to use the gifts that you've given them for your kingdom. God, bring those gifts to light right now, Father. Encourage us. Move on our hearts. Move on their hearts right now that they would be called to use their gifts for your kingdom. Change us and grow us for your glory, Father. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.